You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Hello, tech fans, and welcome into episode 165 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's High Tech Studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. On today's show, we have so much to get through. We'll be leading off talking about number 20 Virginia Tech's upset win over number 8 Virginia in men's basketball and what to take away from it. Plus, the 2021 football schedule has been announced. What do Will and Chris think about the upcoming slate for the Hokies? Plus, Virginia Tech Wrestling ranked 8th in the country. Two big ACC duels over the weekend. And Virginia Tech women's basketball with arguably its biggest win in program history on Thursday. All that and more coming up. Episode 165 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. It gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on the following different streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, we are so glad you could join us as we record on Monday morning, February 1st. Our crew today, as always, to my left, our managing editor, Chris Coleman. Across the way, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. And to my right, the best podcast producer in the land who made it known on Twitter over the weekend. Yes, he is Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. It's great to have all of you with us. If you have a question for Will or Chris, we have a lot of them already sent in before the show, but we can take some on our YouTube live chat. Go ahead and drop it in the chat if you're watching now, and we'll read those at the end of the show. The Tech Sideline podcast is presented by Campus Emporium, as well as the Southeast Regional Training Center. You go to southeastrtc.com to find out how you can get involved with Virginia Tech Wrestling and support the wrestling program and Anytime Fitness. Each new member gets a free fitness consultation and a program is designed. Sign up for a dollar for the first billing period. Call 540-951-1340. Again, that's 540-951-1340. Ask for Tyler and tell him that Tech Sideline sent you. And that is still, offer is still good through February 2nd, so tomorrow, Tuesday, February 2nd. Last week, Will and Chris, as well as Malcolm and myself, we talked about at the end of the podcast just how it was a, it was a lot to get through. It was dense material. It was kind of negative. Kind of. It was miserable. It was no- <laughs> but this week. <laughs> not, one, not one single good thing happened to Virginia Tech last week. Except for the number one overall pick in, yeah, right, uh, in right. uh, Danny Pereira. But on episode 165 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, if you like positivity, we bring – Positivity. It is titled Wins, Wins, and More Wins. Uh, Chris, 
Is this the most positive podcast all around we've had oh. in a couple months? Like, when's oh. the last time we've had this much good all around to talk about? Mm. That's a really, really good question. Well, there's not a lot going on it, during football season except football. What? What? what well, what? What date did Virginia Tech beat Villanova? That would have been late November. Late November. That was probably around the same time as UVA football. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know if they were in the exact same week. Right. Uh, um, oh no! 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 Wait. UVA football wasn't until mid-December. Remember? Oh, that's, that's true. That's, that's right. true. Yeah. A couple of weeks in. So I think we were. I think the the week Tech. Um, beat Villanova we were losing to like Pitt or Clemson or somebody like that and or probably Pitt and and football so that wasn't wasn't too positive from that standpoint yeah, but, so but yeah as far as far as a whole bunch of good things for across all sports happening in the same week I don't remember one so let's rock and roll yeah let's rock and roll and I'm going to ask this question before we're going to lead off talking about men's basketball rightfully so we we are going to talk all about the Commonwealth clash Virginia Tech's big win over Virginia somebody asked this question that was sent in and we'll get to our questions at the end I want to start off with this one was this the best individual week that you can remember for both Virginia Tech men's basketball and women's basketball Uh, I would think so You know, I'm not, I'm not good at those types of questions, you know, of, of other people can sit there and say, oh, don't you remember back in 2008 when so-and-so beat so-and-so and so-and-so beat so-and-so? That was a great week. That's – I just – I don't retain information yeah, like that. Yeah, like, like we do it we're, – we're at this 24-7 to a certain extent. So it's – sometimes they just kind of run together and it's hard to retain. Yeah, you no, know, you yeah. get past one and you just move to the other. Yeah. But, yeah. but yeah, I, I would – I would think so. I would think that would be the best. I like, mean, like I know guys, uh, F4E Hokies, one of these guys. Um, he'll say, "Oh, you've met so and so. Remember, I introduced you at that tailgate at the, back the 2006 at the, Kent State game." And I'll be like, uh, <laughs> "You know, right. now that's more of a relationship story." And I got another friend, Clem Carter, who's also really good at that stuff about, "Oh yeah, you were so and so, and you said this, and they said that." And it's like, man, gotta. <laughs> Got to watch what you say around him. It'll come back 10 years <laughs> later. Graphic memory. <laughs> well, listen, we're going to talk about how good this past week was for Virginia Tech. We'll talk about women's basketball, uh, arguably the biggest win in program history. We'll discuss the big win for Kenny Brooks' squad coming up. We'll talk about number eight Virginia Tech wrestling and not just one, but two, two ACC dual wins in a 24-hour window. We'll talk about the 2021 football schedule getting released. But we begin with 20th-ranked Virginia Tech men's basketball. In their first two games without star guard Tyrese Radford, 20th-ranked Virginia Tech knocked off Notre Dame on the road and upset 8th-ranked Virginia on their home floor, 65-51. It's the first win for the Hokies over the Cavaliers at home since February of 2017. Hokies ended the game February of 2017, the final time Tech beat UVA at home. I thought it was 2018. That was the road win with Kerry Blackshear. Oh, that's right. That's Which right. was JPJ. Yeah. <laughs> I had to make sure I had to go back and do the math, but it was it was 2017. Um, the Hokies ended the game over the final eight minutes on a 21-4 run. They erased a second-half double-digit deficit. Chris, how were the Hokies able to knock off their in-state rival and snap a combined 15-game winning streak in the conference for Virginia dating back to last year. Well, I think the big thing is in the second half, other people started making some shots besides Kev Aloma. Um, 
he dominated in your the first half. What did he score? 16, 16. 16 of the 21 points yep. in the first half. So you're like, okay, he's not going to continue at this pace. So to stay in this game, other people are going to have to make shots. And started the second half with, uh, I think, Beattie made a jumper in the lane. And then Jalen Cohn made back-to-back threes. As it turns out, it was, it was only two threes. But they were important because UVA started to hit some shots early in the second half. And we needed those from Cohn to, to keep pace. And the Couture started making some. Uh, arguably the biggest shot, though, was that Naheem Aline three-pointer from the top of the key. Uh, I think that was the only shot he made all game. Do you remember what, remember what the score nope. was at that point in time? I don't. But I think was. that put them within three because on the next possession, Couture buried a three from I the think, left yeah, wing, tied it at 47. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's that's all accurate. And the other thing that needed to happen was UVA needed to start missing some shots. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my gosh. The first half, you know, Tech played – Really good defense the whole game, but but it didn't really show in I, the first well, half. Well, twenty nine points, I think that's it, pretty. It good. did show, yeah. But it, did. It, could, it could have been twenty, right? I mean, they had were, three threes with under five seconds left in the shot clock. At halftime, they said four. Four. Um, uh, I, I counted four. Uh, no, a couple of them. It depends on how much time you consider at the end of the shot clock. Right. Um, I know there there were two with one second left. There was one with three seconds left. There was another, the fourth one actually came with five seconds left, but it was one of those things where the guy was well, def- pretty well defended, but he decided to go ahead and take the shot because he didn't think within five seconds they could find a better shot. They could shot. do anything else. Right, right. So uh, there, there were four occasions of where I, I thought Tech defended very well and UVA just made a tough shot late. Late in the shot clock, and, and UVA came in shooting close to forty percent from three point range. Well, really good. Well, from UVA came in having scored eighty points in three of their last three four of their games. last four games. UVA right. also on the season had made over fifty percent of their shots as a team from the floor, and they had averaged over seventy points per game, the most since Tony Bennett had taken over as their coach yeah. in the late two thousands. It's a bit of a uh, kind of an inverted offense where. With the exception of like Kihei Clark, I don't see very many good shooters in the backcourt for them. But their big guys like Hauser and Huff can step out and shoot yeah. the three, and that creates a lot of spacing. Obviously, when you have big guys who can do that, um, so they're they're very unique from that standpoint, and I think that's what makes them difficult to guard. But the big thing for Tech about this game is they limited limited them to only three point three point attempts for the most part. Yeah, I mean. How many times you, – you can count on one hand. You can count on less than one hand the number of times UVA actually got a clean look from the paint. Mm. They, they it, the, the weird thing was they got a couple of good layup attempts really late in the game. And it, to me, you know – so you talk about Tech outscored them 21-4 at the end of the game. There was a 21-2 to stretch in there. UVA had the last two points. And part of the 21-2 to was a 19-0 run. And there were a couple of times in there where, boy, I don't know any other way to put it other than UVA just collapsed mentally. Um, there were some shots in there they should have made. Clark had an open run at the mm-hmm. basket and just banked it over the rim. And I, I saw some things from them that you don't usually see. So it was one of those things where I, I guess that they had uh, they'd had a lot of difficulty, UVA had all game long, getting good shots. They had made some of them in the first half. I think they made 10 of their first 20 three-pointers and then missed something like eight in a row to finish out the game. They had their opportunities during that run, but but mentally something happened to them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, Tony Bennett actually said he thought you could tell down the stretch that Tech wanted the game more. 
Um, that's that's what it looked like, um, I guess. I, I guess that's one I, way I, to I put it. I think that was part of it. Uh, yes, they missed some open looks and things like that at times, but I'm going to bring up law of averages again. Look, <laughs> it's been almost a year since UVA lost an ACC game. 15 in a row. Going back to 20. And, and that's that's the longest program streak for them, and you're talking to a guy who grew up in Charlottesville when Ralph Sampson was there. I remember a season where they started out 23-0. and 0. Um, it was Ralph's sophomore year. They were a very good basketball team. I guess a lot of that was out of conference games, you know. But but my first thought was, wow, that's going back to the Samson years. Now, of course, when Samson was there, UNC was pretty darn good. Yeah. They had a guy named Michael Jordan and James Worthy and Perkins, you know. So, anyway, go ahead. Yeah, but um, I, I'm not saying Tech won the game because of law of averages. I'm saying that UVA just looked, just completely collapsed down the stretch. I mean, you've got to play darn near perfect to win 15 straight ACC games. And at some point, that's going to come crashing to a halt, right? That's just the nature of the sport of basketball. And so I think it was a lot of things coming together. I thought it was uh, Tech playing very, very well. We saw the Villanova version of Virginia Tech this time around. Um, And I I think UVA was was due for a tumble, so so to speak, because it's hard to, uh, to stay that good for that long in this league. We mentioned it earlier, but Keve Aluma really kept Virginia Tech in this game in the first half, scoring 16 of Virginia Tech's 21 points in the first half. He finishes with a career-high 29 points, 10 rebounds, a double-double. He was incredibly efficient, 10 of 15 from the floor, 7 of 8 from the free-throw line. Chris, what allows Keve Aluma to be so good, and how exactly was he able to have so much success Against that pack line defense. I think he's a good matchup for UVA. Uh, the thing about UVA is I'm not exactly sure what their defensive efficiency stat is right now, but going into the game on Saturday, it was only 16th. And almost every year, UVA's defensive efficiency is top five, if, yeah, not, if, if, if not, not number, number one, one yeah. right? And uh, while the pack line itself is still obviously a superb team defense, uh, losing uh, Diakite. I always thought it was funny that his last name was Diakite when Shek Chiquite's last name was spelled the exact same way, except his was pronounced Chiquite. But hmm. uh, okay. uh, but uh, Diakite for UVA and Braxton Key, that was their front court last year. And those guys were you know, not only playing in the pack line, which is an impeccable defensive system, but they were awesome individual defenders themselves. They were terrific athletes. So you combine their athleticism with the defensive system in which they're playing – and that was just a dominant, dominant, uh, suffocating UVA defense. UVA does not have anywhere near the athleticism in the front court now. Um, the pack line is still great as a team defense, but if, if at times you can get some individual matchups, a guy like Keve Aluma can beat those, those, those post players that they have because they're, they're not very athletic at all. I mean, uh, Tech fans want to talk about, incorrectly in my opinion, uh, Hunter Couture can't guard ACC caliber players. I, don't, I think that's completely incorrect, but uh, it is tough for those UVA post players to guard ACC caliber bigs. Uh, they, they can do it in the pack line to a certain extent, but if you can find a matchup and you can get Keve Aluma the, the ball the, in isolation situations and things like that, that you can give those guys a lot of trouble. There's a really good post on our basketball board um, by our guy GC Hokey 34 uh, former college coach. I don't. I don't. He, I don't think he's in college coaching anymore. But uh, he uh, he breaks down exactly what Tech did offensively, and, and most of it's above my head. 
but it boils down to UVA will give you that perimeter, that, that big guy out on the perimeter. They'll let you put that guy out there. And uh, again, I'm getting uh, beyond my pay grade here. But it's something about how the, they'll defend that guy and they'll have a second line defender. And um, so part of the success of that, I think, is if that big guy is not able to make three pointers. And, and he, he gave a really interesting stat that, that I'd forgotten that uh, in the two games against UVA last year, UVA had pretty much left P.J. Horn out there. And P.J. in the beginning of the year was was making a fair amount of three-pointers. You know, you know I, I can't regurgitate the stats right off the top of my head, but he was shooting 40 or 50% from out there. Mm-hmm. But if you looked, his form was not good. Um, his feet were apart, not really squared up, not really going towards the basket. Um, he just had – he was in a rhythm there early in the year. And then against UVA in the first game, he, he took nine three-pointers and missed them all. And in the second game, he took eight three-pointers and only made one. So he's one of 17 out there. And I think one of the differences, one of the things that happened was um, that Aluma made two out of three three-pointers. And I, I looked it up. He was one of 14 from out there in his most recent 14, not for the season. In ACC play, he was one of 15. There you go, one of 15 in ACC play from out there. He makes a couple early, and that kind of changes things. So Huff, Huff starts charging him. And meanwhile, Tech has done a good job of, if even for a layman like me, you can tell that they were clearing out for Aluma. They were clearing out that side of the court, and that left Aluma in a lot of one-on-one situations. And and he, you're, you're right, Chris, he's just too athletic for him. Yeah, I think what we've seen since last year's game, or Tech used a very, very similar game plan against UVA right. last year, and it didn't work. It almost worked the second time, but, but you know, the, the first game was like a, almost a 30-point blowout. Um, I don't, uh, from a game plan perspective, not a lot changed for Virginia Tech. They ju- just the big difference was the Hokies have better players than they had last year, and UVA has worse players than they had last year. So the talent level for Tech, and I'm talking about post-talent, I'm talking about front court. The talent for Tech in the front court has gone up, mm-hmm. and the talent in the front court for UVA has gone down. I know Jay Huff can make three-pointers. Jay Huff's a good player. But in an isolated matchup against Kepe Aluma, that, that's going to be a tougher battle for Huff to win. Mm-hmm. Let's transition and talk about someone that Will Stewart is a huge fan of, and that is guard Hunter Couture, who was on Packer and Durham this morning, certainly getting a lot of uh, love around the conference, Will. 15 points on 71% shooting in the win over Man. Virginia. I don't really have a direct question for you about Couture, but I just wanted to give you a chance to speak on your favorite Hunter Couture. That guy is already as good as I thought he would be as a, as a senior (laughs) and he's a sophomore and he's going to be a sophomore again next year. (laughs) If he wants to, Yep. you know, um, just solid ball player all the way around. And, and, you know, he, he missed the game ending shot against Louisville and, uh, he will make some of those shots. Probably, hopefully, more than one in the that future. That one almost went in too. Yeah, um, almost went in. And he, uh, his defense has gotten a lot better. Uh, my one of my biggest worries early in the season, as I watched this team, is that that regardless of of what Bisa Beatty's, uh, he's he's not a good shooter. He's not going to make it because he's a senior. You know, he's, his shooting's not going to improve. Um, and and as as I've said for many years, he's just too hesitant. I think he should go to the basket more than he does. That ship has sailed, but but the one thing he does really well is defense, particularly on ball defense. 
And so I, I worried, man, particularly with Car- Cartier Jada just kind of flaking out and disappearing. Um, what was Tech going to do for on-ball defense at, at the point guard position next year? And Now, I'm not saying uh, that, that Couture is going to play the point. But uh, to, to, cut it, to cut to the chase, his defense and really the entire team's defense has gotten so much better. They've held two straight opponents to, uh, to 51 points in They've ACC play. T- two straight opponents to their season low. That was Notre Dame season low, and it was UVA season low. So I looked it up, and and for some weird reason, forgot to write it down. But I looked because I looked it up under Damian Salas's uh, uh, database search, and um, it's it's actually fairly recently that Tech held a couple of ACC teams to to fifty one points or fewer. I think it was, uh, you know, as recently as about four or five years ago. But they that's, held that's, NC State to twenty four. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> but the next team did did not score fifty one or fewer. Um, it. Uh, Virginia Tech, I would love to see Virginia Tech's defense efficiency rating for like the last five to ten games. Right. Yeah. You know, d- discounting maybe Syracuse where things snowballed on them. Um, but they've just gotten very good defensively. So we already know Couture is a good team defender and, and a guy who can who can make shots and just just a really smart, underappreciated basketball player in all phases. But to me, the on-ball defense of him and his teammates is really improving. Yeah, um, and I have two things to add to that. Um, first and foremost, uh, again, impressive what Couture has been able to do. So he started the, the year out as pe- playing 100% off the ball, the two-guard spot, yeah. dedicating all his time to that position. Then Jada opts out, so Couture's got to play the point guard, and he's almost exclusively playing point guard right. at that point. So he switches positions in the middle of the year. Now Tyrese Radford is suspended, and he's got to go back in the in the other direction. He's playing with Beatty and without Beatty, so he's he's playing two positions in one game. He's playing point guard and he's playing off the ball, so he has the basketball IQ and the acumen to adjust on the fly to playing two completely different roles, you, you know, just like that overnight. And he's had to make that adjustment twice to a certain extent during the season. So, really, really underappreciated player. Uh, I think I think people are starting to appreciate him more, but he's still underappreciated. Speaking of underappreciated players, we talk well, about. Wait a minute, let's not oh, move on. Yeah, wait, we, we, had, we had, got to talk about that dunk, the one oh, that didn't count, the, the greatest <laughs> shot shot clock violation in the history of basketball. <laughs> um, if you want, if you want to just laugh out loud, go back and watch Beatty. After Couture dunks it, jumping up and down, oh, they were falling on the floor over there. You Be- Beatty Jay- was in the game and was behaving like he was on the bench. <laughs> that was a great moment. Um, and again, I believe Couture had two points at halftime, maybe three, something like. And that. And he finished he with two, he, he, two. He, he finished with fifteen points, five of seven from the field, three of five from deep. His three tied the game. Um, and I believe his three put him up by double digits too, as part of that big run. So uh, the other point I was going to make with regards to defense is, uh, you know, we always talk about the Mike Young offense or whatever. But the truthful truth be told is that Tech is a better defensive team than they are offensive team. I want to say there's something around 55th in Kid and Palm adjusted offensive efficiency, but they're 24th, I think, in adjusted defensive efficiency. Was that pre UVA or post UVA? Post UVA. Okay. Uh, they're, yeah, they're just they're, they're they've been very impressive on, on that end of the court, and uh, I think you know I think for my basketball article this week I'm going to go back and look at Mike Young's team's defensive efficiency numbers at Radford. 
Uh, Wofford, Radford, you mean? Rad, Wofford. He's from, he's from Radford, coached at Wofford. Gosh. Um, because I, I remember researching them when, when, when Tack hired him, and he just didn't have that many good defensive teams at Wofford, I don't believe. Uh, he went out and hired Chester Frazier, who came up in the Illinois program and then coached at Kansas State and uh, under the same coach, an, an elite defensive coach. And Chester Fraser actually played against Virginia Tech in the NCAA tournament right. in 2007. Didn't score a single point, but he was in that game, uh, that 54-51 game, Something defensive like that, slugfest. Yeah. But he comes from a defensive-minded program with a great grasp of defense. And I thought that was a really good hire for, for Mike Young. Um, you know, you, you needed to hire guys like that from, from a Power 5 recruiting perspective anyway, guys with experience. But he also – you know, Mike Young knows offense. And I'm not saying Mike Young doesn't have anything to do with Virginia Tech's defensive success, but I think it was smart for him to go out and hire someone with a defensive background. Yeah. And I think in a lot of ways we're, we're seeing some of the benefits of that now. He also is the coach known for doing the somersault after wins. Yeah, that's, 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 that's an impressive piece of athleticism right there, man. <laughs> uh, one more player I want to highlight, and then I've got some big-picture questions for you guys as we're recapping uh, Virginia Tech's win over Virginia. Let's talk about Wabisa Beattie for a minute uh, because his minutes the last couple of games had kind of been in the, the mid-20s. Right. He ends up playing 35 minutes, second really? most beside, uh, behind Kevin Luma, who had 36 and Beatty, let me read off his stat line, folks. Seven points, a steal, a block, five assists, four rebounds, two of two from the line, buried his only three attempted, two of three from the field. Well, I felt like personally this was – because his on-ball defense has been great every game. Yeah, he plays yeah, it. he did a good job against Kihei Clark for sure. But I really felt like, well, this was maybe the best game of the season for Wabisa Beatty. Fair to say. Again, I'm not a guy who can regurgitate uh, what he's what he's done all year, but it, uh, I, I think that's fair. And and I got to eat a little crow because somebody on the board said, you know, they threw it to Beatty out there and he didn't shoot it. And somebody on the board said, Beatty's got to shoot that shot. And I said, no, 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 no. He's made one of his last 12 from out there. And then later on he makes uh, – it was a clutch three-pointer too. It was an important Yeah, it was. It was. That, yeah. that actually might have been the most important. Not, not just because of the timing of it, but – it was momentum. who made it, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you're going to miss that guy when he's gone. Hopefully, not too much. Um, hopefully, other guys can step up. But you know, let's live in the moment. Yeah, no doubt about he's it. He's here now. Uh, again, 35 minutes for Wabisa Beatty. All right, I've got some fun stats for everybody. Who do, who loves stats? So I, I love stats. So I pull out my phone. I was uh, texting with the jack of all trades himself, Damian Salas, last night, and he's a. Uh, Big listener of the pod, and he likes to send along some stats. And um, this uh, this first one here, David Cunningham found. I find this interesting because I'm going to transition to talk about NCAA tournaments and ACC, uh, you know, standings. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But David Cunningham found this out that Virginia Tech is one of eight teams to have four ranked wins on the season, and only Virginia Tech and Gonzaga are undefeated against ranked opponents in that group of eight. Wow. Yep. That's incredible. Gonzaga's the number who, one team in the country. Who was it that, that has beaten three top ten teams in a row? Was it Oklahoma? I think so. I think I saw that crawl on the bottom line last They've beat night. like three top ten teams in the last week. Wow. That was insane. All right, so here's some other interesting sets. This is all since joining the ACC. This was Virginia Tech's fewest fouls in a game. Um, 
Our fewest uh, Virginia Tech's fewest fouls in a game was six against Duke. That was on December 16, 2019. Had seven against Presbyterian in 2017. So the eight against UVA on Saturday is the third fewest since Virginia Tech joined the ACC. You know, if if you don't let them get the ball in the paint, you, you they're not going to call a lot of fouls on you. They did not stress the defense. UVA no, did not. They did not you know. at all. And the last one, Keve Aluma drew nine fouls against Virginia and did not commit a single yep. foul. That's insane. How insane is that stat? I, I, I think I, I want to say he leads uh, he leads the ACC in fouls drawn this season. Um, Probably. I, yeah, and I, I want to say he's he's up there in a lot of the the free throw statistics as far as uh, free throw attempts and and. Uh, and things like that. So he's he's really efficient as far as that goes, but <laughs> you can't get better than nine to zero. Yeah, tw- right? so twenty nine yeah. points, ten rebounds, four assists, a block, zero fouls, and zero turnovers in thirty six minutes. That is, it's it's hard to go thirty six minutes without committing a turnover. Yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, it's funny. I was thinking back as I was preparing for this podcast for. Thinking about the last time Virginia Tech beat Virginia in hoops, and that was at John Paul Jones and Kerry Blackshear had the the tip back with like two seconds left in overtime, and it got me thinking about Keve Aluma, Kerry Blackshear. I want to go down this tangent for just a second. How similar are the two? Would you say, or not similar? They're they're fairly similar to a certain extent. I I I, th- I, I don't think either guy is explosive uh, vertically. But I think they're both guys were quick horizontally. Um, they're, they're both they both can make three pointers. Uh, you ideally don't want them shooting a whole bunch of them, but but when they go down, they they, they become very effective. I, I think uh, I think Blackshear was probably a little better at distribution at assists. And, I was going to say passing like the ball back out of the paint. Right, right, but but. At the same time, you know, Keve Aluma's got another year, maybe two years if he chooses to exercise that right. Uh, he's got another year or two to, uh, to improve on that part of his game, too. And you can't just judge assists anyway because, you know, Kerry Blackshear was passing out to Ty, Ty Outlaw, who was Virginia Tech's all-time leader in three-point percentage, right? So there were a lot of shooters on, on that team. And uh, so – I, I think I, th- I think they're fairly similar players. Uh, Blackshear was a little bit taller. I'm no basketball scout or, or anything, but uh, I, I could I could see the the similarities there for sure. I feel like one of the big differences, though, Will, is that Blackshear got into foul trouble way more than Kevin Moon does. <laughs> yeah, that, that's and, that's the one and, big thing that jumped out. And to he me. would do it 40 feet from the basket too. Yes. Now, I, I, and I said this earlier this year that Blackshear was also. Uh, uh, he received quite a bit of scrutiny for the fouls he was committing because there was no one else to play the position. Right. You know. Right. Now, I remember uh, PJ Horn backed him up, but remember when PJ got that injury and was out for maybe a month or so, yeah. and it was literally Ty Outlaw was the backup center. I remember that. Yeah. Right. So let's transition and talk big picture. And before anybody comes at me and says it's January, Evan, actually it's February first, so right. we right. are a month away so time. from the NCAA tournament. Last week, after the suspension of Tyrese Radford, you both sat up here and, and basically said you felt like the NCAA tournament chances for Virginia Tech went way down mm-hmm. after he got suspended. I believe it was around the 40%, 50% I think mark. I said 25 to 40, somewhere, somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. Yeah. 
After the road win at Notre Dame, the win against eighth-ranked Virginia, Hokies are 7-2 in the ACC. It's their best start in ACC play through nine games since joining the conference. Chris Coleman, where is your percentage right oh, now it's, where it's, you think Tech's going to make the tournament? It's 90 to 95 now, for sure. Um, I, I think uh, the, the Notre Dame game, you know, there's no such thing as a must-win in basketball because of the nature of the sport is – you know, you're not going to win all of them. I mean, you, you could get upset and then pull a huge upset to make up for it, right? But that Notre Dame game felt like a must-win because you just didn't know exactly how the team would play without Rafford. So you had a game against a team with a losing record and who you'd already beaten. So you really felt like you couldn't afford to lose that game. Um, so and Tech won it. And then they beat UVA. And now they're in the middle of a five-game stretch where – Four of the five games are played on the road, right? Right. Let me let me run it down. At Pitt, at Miami, Florida State. No, I'm I'm, I'm talking backing up. Okay. So go back to the Syracuse game, right? Yes. So at Wake, BC was postponed. Right. At Syracuse, at Notre Dame, Virginia, and at Pitt. So it's actually five of six. Um, four, since, four out of five since the BC game was postponed, right? One, two, three. Yeah, four out of five starting with Syracuse. At Syracuse, at Notre Dame, Virginia, at Pitt, at Miami. So what was the home game before Syracuse? Well, you it was know supposed to be balls of college. Right. It was supposed to be. So, five out of six, you're correct. Okay, so five out of six on, on the road. So you've won two of the first three road games. Or first of all, you've won the one home game out of that six-game stretch. Right. And that's a quad one You've win. held serve. Right. And you've won two of the first three road games against Wake Forest and Notre Dame. And these next two road games against Georgia Tech. No, Pitt. Pitt excuse me, Pitt and then Georgia Tech. Pitt right? and Miami. Pitt and Miami. Georgia Tech's later in the Georgia year. Tech's way down the road. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so Pitt and Miami. Pitt was looking good, and now all of a sudden they've lost three in a row. Miami, I know they got McGusty back. Um, Miami's in the tank. But but they, they're just not – they just don't appear to be getting better. They're more talented uh, than that. They're more. They're very. Ta- they're very capable of popping off any night and beating you. Well, and, and you look uh, at Pitt. They have one of the best players in the conference in Champagne. Th- they do. Uh, and he could go no, off. No, but here's my point. If you win one of the next two, that means you won three out of those five road games. Yeah. And you won your one home game. I mean, that would be one heck of a stretch. So um, I, th- I think if Tech wins one of these next two, you can you can go ahead and book them um, that uh, that they'd be in. Now we don't, now we don't know what games are going to get canceled or postponed or anything like that down the stretch, uh, but that's going to be the same for other teams too. Um, that would be their what fourteen? If they, their next win would be their fourteenth. Yes, they're thirteen and three. Yeah, and then there, there's enough wins on that schedule. Uh, I mean, they still play. I think they play Wake again at home. They play NC State. They play Georgia Tech. Um, and NC State just lost their leading scorer to a knee injury. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, it would be nice to be able to make up the Boston College game because that would be a win. Uh, I doubt that will happen. I, I don't think uh, it's likely. Yeah, I don't think yeah. it's likely. So, so they, you're right. They have a touch, tough stretch coming up. At the very end, Georgia Tech at home, Wake Forest at home, and on the road against NC State. But, but they're all winnable. Like North Carolina's winnable. I mean, Georgia that Tech is, just beat not, Florida State this weekend. Correct. I mean, I think anything's right. possible. I mean, there's right. no yes, game. Georgia Tech's got a really good backcourt that, you know, can, yeah. can light you up at any given time. Yeah, so uh, there's enough wins in there um, for sure where I think it would it would be a surprise if they didn't make the tournament at this point, uh, especially now that they've got another uh, quad one win. On they're they're 31 in the net. 
30 or 31 in the net. The net is more volatile than the old RPI. Yeah. Um, but they were 42nd before the UVA game and then 31st uh, mm-hmm. after the UVA game. And, and unfortunately, that slots you right around an eight seed. You know, yeah, yeah, you, you know. Well, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how. So, it ends but, up. but I think uh, you win one of these next two. But I mean, Tech's also can't take capable of winning both. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think they're in great shape right now. So I asked Chris uh, where he thinks percentage-wise, in his estimation, Virginia Tech makes the tournament. He says ninety-nine to five percent. I'm going to ask Will a little bit tougher of a question here. Will percent-wise odds that Virginia Tech wins an ACC championship? Uh, tournament or regular season? How about regular season and tournament percent? Where do you stand on February first? Uh, I don't. I don't see. I do not see a regular season championship happening. I just think they have too many tough games left. Um, now that said, now that UVA has been beaten, there's not a team that is that is really dominating. You know, Duke and UNC. Duke's getting better. Uh, I can't really speak for UNC. I think they're kind of up and down. You know, Louisville's beaten Tech something like 17 times in a row. And oh, that's another one. Uh, that's the that's the one I want to win. Yes, that's yeah, true. That's and, a home and, game. And What's that, that one? one? That Louisville. was on the that was on the 13th. So, you know, if you just look at once they play at Pitt and at Miami, they've got Florida State, Louisville, UNC, Florida State. Um. I think they're going to take some hits. Uh, at this point, I don't think the, the chance for, for a regular season championship is is, is great. Did you say under 20%? Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Tournament time, anything can happen. Because we don't know who's got to play in the tournament at this point. Now, they're, uh, I, I believe I was having this conversation with them about to name drop Bill Roth. Um, and I wish I could remember the details, but I, I will give you my takeaway. There was a precedent in the past where a team tried to skip the ACC tournament and they were not allowed. They were, they were, gosh, well, you got to remember the conversation better than this. I can't remember, but it, but it was a team that um, actually wanted to skip the tournament. I don't know if it was a men, women's team or a men's team in the ACC. They wanted to skip the tournament. Had, had the NCAA bid sewn up, wanted to avoid injuries or something like that, you know, and the ACC said, no, you will play in the tournament. And they did. I think it was a women's team, but they like didn't play three or four of their top five players. Mm. And the ACC fined them. Wow. And and I wish I could remember the exact details. I, I guess my mind once must have wandered while Bill was talking to me. But I just remember thinking, oh, there's a precedent. That's what I said to him next. So there is a precedent for not allowing teams to skip the ACC tournament. So, now the question is yeah. though, will that president be changed given the circumstances? I seriously doubt it. John Swafford has one foot out the door. Oh, he's already. Um, oh, it's I'm sorry, new commissioner out. today. Oh, it's today. Today, John Swafford's last official day was Friday. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> uh, I don't think. Of, uh, I don't think the first thing the new commissioner wants to do is force teams to play in the ACC tournament during the age of coronavirus. Uh, because let's say Florida State rolls into the ACC tournament somehow contracts COVID in Greensboro and then they can't play in the NCAA tournament the next week and have to forfeit. Mm. Right. And then all of a sudden that, and that's, so that's the first decision that the new commissioner makes is to basically cost Florida state an NCAA tournament bid. 
basically. A lot, a lot of factors right? in play. So I don't think I don't think they're going to block anybody from skipping anything they want to skip this year, in my opinion. All right, so something I wanted to get out there before we move on. Uh, Virginia Tech is seven and two in the ACC. It ties their best start ever in ACC play. Mm-hmm. Um, so that just got me to thinking. Wow, Tech's had some good teams. You know, the the oh six oh seven team almost won the regular season championship, if I remember correctly. Well, yeah, they finished ten and six. And if they beat Clemson at home on Senior Day, they would have won it. They would have won it. So I just got to thinking. I did a little research, and and in Buzz's last year, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. They started out seven and two in the conference, same as this year. Now their losses that year were to number one UVA and number ten UNC. Right. So that that and yeah. remember that UNC game when they got when like Tech had uh, it was it was Robinson and Nikhil Alexander Walker with two fouls in the first five minutes of the game. That's uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's why I keep Chris around. He's got a memory for that stuff. Now that team lost the next two to fall to seven and four. Um, the oh six oh seven team that was so good. <laughs> <laughs> they started out six and three in the conference. Okay, solid. Losses were to unranked Florida State, unranked NC State, whom they they lost to three times that year. <laughs> yeah, and unranked Boston College. Mm. So that that is classic Seth Greenberg. He, yeah, well, and in that stretch, they beat uh, Duke and Duke and on UNC. the road, number four UNC back, back, at home, back to back weekends. Yeah, I back know. to back Saturdays. So so Seth could get them up to play the really good teams, and then they they'd collapse and lose against you know Boston College and teams like that. And, and no, that to be fair, Boston College was spent a better. lot of that year ranked. They were better. They were they they had like uh, Jared Dudley and but you know lo- like losing that. three games to that NC State team. Come on, yeah, you Jared know, Dudley's yeah. still in the NBA right now. Is he still? He's still. I knew he was last year. I didn't yeah. know if he still was still. I, I, I kind of miss BC being good in basketball. I, I miss uh, – I think joining the ACC long-term hurt them in basketball. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, um, again, we, we've got a lot to get through still on the podcast. Today. We're going to talk about football, women's basketball, wrestling, wrapping up our discussion on men's basketball. By the way, I kept saying number 20 against number 8. There is a really good chance that if you're listening to this on the afternoon of February 1st or February 2nd, February 3rd, that Virginia Tech this upcoming week, when the new poll comes out at noon today on February first, that Virginia Tech will be the highest ranked team in the ACC. There's a chance, depending on how high Virginia Tech they, goes. Virginia was eight. Or, or, or the, are they going to are they going to skip Tech over UVA? That's what that's the question because Florida right. State lost to unranked Georgia Tech. They're 16th, so Florida State's going to drop. Oh, Tech's going to jump Florida State for sure. So they're either going to be the second or they're going to be the highest ranked. And earlier in the year. They were tied with Clemson at 19 for the highest ranked so, team in the league, but they were never in sole possession of being the highest ranked so, team. So what is UVA's resume right now? UVA is still higher in the net uh, than Tech. But as far as, like, who have they beaten? They've beaten, let's see here. Well, they've lost to Gonzaga. Mm-hmm. And that was on December 26th. Let's see what else here. The Cavaliers, I pulled them up. Let's see. They've beaten Syracuse. They have beaten Georgia Tech. They have beaten Clemson. Um Right. They are eleven and three, seven and one. Their worst loss was to San Francisco the first week of the season. Yeah, so they haven't beaten the top twenty five team. Uh, uh where was Clemson when, when you uh, beat yeah, them? I guess. That, that was, that's that right. Was, that was the biggest blowouts, I believe. Of a ranked uh, team or correct. Eighty five fifty at right. home. Something like the biggest blowout of a ranked well, A B team now, at home. Clemson yeah, is really struggling right now. Clemson is yeah, they've dropped off the Yeah, we, off we didn't know it at the time. But yeah, they've, yeah, they've they're they're not out. good. Yeah. Um or maybe they just 
I think Clemson is one of those teams where they can be good if everything goes right, but then they miss 10 days because of COVID. I don't think that they're, they're a team that can afford that type of uh, disruption to their rhythm. You know what? That's a really good point about uh, Virginia it, right it, now, by the way. I mean, their first right. win. Tech, like, Tech has a better resume than Virginia. 100%. I mean, they have wins. Uh, as far as quality, as far as top 25 wins go. Here's Virginia's resume. The wins in the ACC. Wins against Syracuse, Georgia Tech, at Clemson by – 35. That was a ranked win. Notre Dame win. Boston College win. Wake Forest win. Notre Dame win. William and Mary win. Now going out of conference. Kent State in overtime. St. Francis win. Towson win. Right. That's not all that all right. great. So, so Tech's tech two best wins are Villanova and UVA. And UVA's two best wins are Clemson at the time. At the, yeah. And Cle- well, Clemson's 60s in the net now. Yeah. So that, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I That's guess I guess Syracuse would be their best win. Yeah, I think right now I really do. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. That, that's that's the old. If you just put the two teams up there and they were Team A and Team B, which one has a better resume? Right, so, right. Okay. No, I, no, I'd have to go back and look. Like I don't know. I know Tech's unbeaten against Quad Three and Quad Four. Actually, they're unbeaten against Quad Two now because technically Penn State's, I believe, Quad One. Yeah, I believe you're right. Uh, right. Tom Williams is chiming in. Penn State is now a Quad One game. Mm-hmm. He says by, Tech by is way, undefeated in Quad Two through Four now. Two through four, Penn State yeah. is 29 net. So Virginia Tech's 31 in the net. Penn State is 29. Virginia Tech's 13 and three and seven and two. And Penn State is something like eight and seven and three and six. Right. In their conference. So it's interesting how how that all strength strength yeah. strength of schedule all works no, out. Now we're not I'm not sitting here saying that uh that tech if the season ended tomorrow would be a higher in say a tournament seed because the computer numbers favor UVA as far as that goes. Like UVA is still the highest ranked net team in, in the ACC. Not not that the net ranking is the be-all, end-all of what the NCAA, turn, NCAA selection committee uses, but it is a factor. But as far as pure, if you want to rank a team in the top 25 based on what they've done, Tech should be ranked higher than UVA. And I'm not even talking about because of head-to-head win. I don't think head-to-head wins in basketball should factor in all that much, to be honest with you. But, I mean, I think Tech has – I think Tech has beaten – more good teams than UVA, and their records are pretty much the exact same. So it stands to reason that, to me, you know, Tech should probably be ranked higher this week. Not that it matters. The top 25 poll no. doesn't matter at all. Um, <laughs> all right, two quick things for you. Uh, we got to go because we've got a lot of things to get through still. We're 45 minutes in. Great start to episode 165 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Real quick, Will Stewart, is Mike Young the clear – ACC coach of the year right yeah, now. At this point in time, hands down. And do you think there's a chance, Chris, that he could be the national coach of the year? Again. Again, because <laughs> he did it at Wofford his final year. Yeah, That's he right. Sure did. Uh, I I think it's possible. Um, what do they give the national? Do they give it before? Do they? I guess it depends. There's so many different awards. There are right, right? and there's like, different organization that gives out the same award. Yes, too. and some of those some of those awards they get given out. They give them out final four weekend. And some of them, maybe they wait till the end of the season. Uh, I, I don't know. Um, if Gonzaga wins a national championship finally, then yeah. Mark Few's going to win most of them. Or, 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 or although the ones that that, although he might not have to win a national championship because some of them get given out before that Final Four weekend. You, you know, so yeah, it uh, gets gets into that whole thing. Is is this a career program building achievement? Like some guys win the Heisman because of their career. It's not common. 
Right. But but they're like, oh, he's had a good career. Let's give it to him this year. Right. You know, uh, Ron Dane versus Michael Vick. Right. Yeah. Okay. That, that kind I, of thing. I, I think I don't remember who finished second in the Heisman that year. Yeah, I don't either. Yeah, I just remember Dane was first and Vick was third. But yes, for sure, ACC Coach of the Year. Um, if things trend this way, and if Tech makes the NCAA tournament, like I, I don't see how he, yep. he couldn't be yep. ACC preseason picks eleventh out of fifteen in the yeah, ACC. Yeah, yeah, I definitely think he would be, and yeah, I think he's going to be on the uh, radar. For some national awards, too, potentially. Final question, or not even a question here. Final thing I want to bring up here with men's basketball, because we're talking about positivity. It's a really positive podcast, a lot of good things to talk about. Can we just take a quick moment, 60 seconds, and appreciate the Virginia Tech men's basketball social media game? We were talking about it just before we went live, and the videos, the graphics, Chris Coleman, Professor Chris Coleman, what grade would you give Virginia Tech men's basketball? I I can't imagine them being better, so I have to give them an A+. Uh, it's funny. The first thing I did after the game the other night is is search on Twitter for the UVA men's <laughs> basketball account so I can go look through the thread. But, and Will, Will Stewart was in one. <laughs> Will Stewart was in one. Right, right. I, I have now made the The, the Klondike beanie was right? oh, oh, it's So, tech, fan, tech basketball fans – Gosh, Tech fans are like, when things are going poorly in football, they really, really, really depress you on social media. But when things are going well in basketball, they really brighten your day. It's uh, yeah. It, yeah. So, uh, so and that's the fan base. As far as the actual Tech social media account for men's basketball, top notch. Yeah. So speaking of Twitter, uh, I put something on Twitter the other day that, uh, you know, I've, I've got – 8,400 followers roughly and, and it got a thousand likes I don't know where that ranks all time for me I'd have to go look at my analytics 91 retweets 50 quote tweets and, and 1,006 likes and I wanted to highlight this it's it's what Mike Young said about Tyrese Radford I, t- I tweeted this Friday it's what he said about Tyrese Radford on Tech Talk Live Thursday night um, so give me a second here to get the glasses on because the print is a little small So when asked by John Laser about uh, Tyrese Radford, <clears throat> Mike said, the first thing you want to see is that he's contrite. He recognizes it, and he's a good man. We made a poor, he made a poor decision, needless to say. We're working through some things. There are a lot of things I can't talk about here. I love that man, and I will not turn my back on him. I believe in him. I feel awful, and Tyrese Radford feels awful. We will support him and hang in there with him. Time will tell how it all plays out. His best interests are at heart as we try to work through this. I'm watching your glasses fog up. Fog up, yeah. Yeah, but they actually use those uh, quotes on the broadcast on Saturday night. The ACC word Network. for word, yeah, word for word. It made me actually wonder if they picked it up off my Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so going around Twitter, and you know that that Twitter tends to be a uh, a haven of the of the nasty. You know, it all depends. Twitter's got all these different sides. We talked about that before, but you know. Uh, Boots is pretty active on Twitter. He'll retweet things and occasionally tweet something. And the the support for him from Virginia Tech fans on Twitter that I've seen has been 100% unanimous. No doubt. Yeah, and he know. he hasn't run away from it. Like he's tweeted after the last two games. Right. You know? Like good job by yeah, the team. Yeah. Very supportive on social media. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's not. He hasn't. Uh, 
buried his head in the sand and run away from anything yeah so so we'll just see how it comes out so uh to to, for me to kind of wrap it up last year or two years ago when justin robinson got hurt i I thought tech season was in the tank and and buzz did some amazing things with the team like two or three games later changed how they play offense and they went on to be a number five seed ncaa tournament i think Mm -hmm. um and are they rough or they oh, no, were four. 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 Correct. I'm I had sorry. a similar feeling when, when Tyrese Radford got suspended. Oh man, that that's the straw that broke the camel's back. And not so far. You know, and, and if if this continues, Tyrese Radford not playing and Virginia Tech winning, that's just strengthens Mike Young's case for ACC <laughs> coach of the year. No right? doubt. Yeah. Uh great discussion. Fifty two minutes talking about Virginia Tech's upset win over Virginia, what it means moving forward for the NCAA tournament as well as a potential ACC championship. One sport down, three left to go, plus your questions on YouTube Live and the ones that have been submitted. We'll step aside for a break. When we come back, we talk a little football. As the 2021 football schedule for Virginia Tech has been released, we'll get the thoughts of Will Stewart and Chris Coleman coming up. You're listening and watching episode 165 of the Tech Sideline podcast presented by Anytime Fitness, Southeast Regional Training Center, and Campus Emporium. Welcome back in episode 165 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. So great to have you with us as we record on Monday morning, February 1st. Evan Hughes alongside Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, Malcolm Stewart behind the scenes. Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by Campus Emporium. They're proud to sponsor the TSL community. A portion of every sale is returned to Virginia Tech in support of its endowment for excellence, student programming, and need-based scholarships. We've been serving the Virginia Tech community for over 25 years from our locations in Blacksburg and our online store. Please visit the number one source for Virginia Tech merchandise at campusemporium.com or come see us at 207 North Main Street or 1337 South Main Street. Will Stewart, featured item today? Today's featured item, Virginia Tech Super fan pullover hooded sweatshirt by a champion. That, that's an interesting name. Super fan pullover hooded sweatshirt by a champion. $59.99, so 60 bucks. This unique champion hoodie features the word Hokies and the VT logo printed on the front. Yes, it does. It's true. Unique to now, now I think this is the best part of the description. Unique maroon, orange, and white striping on arms. Um, this is. It's an attention getter. I said this when we put it on Twitter. I said, you know, you want to you wear something a little different to get people's attention? This is it. Got the pack, got the pocket in the front, of course. 60% cotton, 40% polyester, 60 bucks. We will drop the link in the YouTube video if you want to check it out. So, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking about keeping this one. It's uh, nice I, like, I like the white striping. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah it, it, it makes it pop. I like yeah. that. And the white outline on the letters. Mm-hmm. So, good job. Still to come on episode 165 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, Virginia Tech Wrestling ranked 8th in the country, two ACC road dual wins over the weekend, and Virginia Tech women's basketball, one of its biggest wins in program history. But we've transitioned from talking about hokey men hoops to talking about Virginia Tech football because the 2021 schedule came out late last week. I'm going to read it off to those of you who have not heard it yet. Virginia Tech will open at home on either Thursday, September 2nd, or Friday, September 3rd against North Carolina. 
then home against Middle Tennessee, then at West Virginia, home against Richmond, a bye week followed by home against Notre Dame, home game against Pittsburgh, home game against Syracuse, and then the Hokies will go on the road quite a bit, at Georgia Tech, at Boston College, home against Duke, at Miami, at Virginia. That is the 2021 Virginia Tech football schedule. Chris, there's a lot of different ways we could go to start, but I think the headliner here is Virginia Tech is going to open its season at home against North Carolina in what is going to be a pivotal game for the Hokies if they're going to try and win the the Coastal this year. Yeah, um, it's always, or at least recently, has been a battle for uh, Coastal Division bragging rights. It's going to have a big effect on the Coastal Division standings. Uh, it's going to have an effect on recruiting, although to be quite honest with you, I don't think the actual outcome of the game has much of an effect on recruiting right now. I think UNC's on such a roll right now in recruiting that Tech could go beat them by 21 points, and it's not going to matter. I, I never really uh, think head-to-head results matter much, and I really don't think yeah, so in this case. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it, and it's it's big for the fan base. It, it, you know, you, you like to have that, that game at the beginning of the season that you can circle and say – Oh, yeah, we're really looking forward to that one. Uh, Tech used to get those games a lot, and they'd always lose them. Remember, uh, they scheduled Alabama twice in Atlanta and lost. Boise State. Uh, I don't think that was an opener, though. For Boise State. Yes, was, it was. was yeah, it was. That yeah. was an opener. And then yeah. the James Madison game came that came week. Came the, next, the yeah. next week, yeah. Um, now, they did beat uh, – Georgia Tech at home in 2012. Right, right. One of those um, Labor Day um, night games. You're right. and but, but, you know, recently we've seen those early season games go in Tech's favor. Yeah. Um, even the one that didn't, you know, the Tennessee game, which technically was a second game, but, you know, Tech outcoached Tennessee. They just fumbled the game away. Uh, but the Florida State game. West Virginia game. West Virginia game. RFK. Uh, you know, I, I, think, I think Tech is a much better – early season team and it goes back to what i've always said about if you give justin fuente 11 robots and he he will beat you and your 11 robots right um this is the closest early season games is the closest we ever come to that scenario because the scouting report isn't out on on a lot of players or or how exactly coaches are going to use players on their on this team um and that's when that's where justin fuente excels as a coach i mean to honest to be honest with you that, that 2017 tech team would not have beaten west virginia in october i mean that was just a bunch of freshmen on offense right. and somehow they they put up over 400 yards of offense and you know scored 27 points or whatever it was and and, and won the game but that wouldn't have happened a month later yeah um NC State this past year, man. NC State finished eight and three and ranked in the top twenty-five. And Virginia Tech annihilated them to start the season. Jumped on you know, seven. No nothing, film, right? No, 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 you don't know anything about either team. Uh, so that's what I like about having North Carolina first on the schedule is you get some of that coming into play. Now the other side of the coin is Carolina should be more familiar with our personnel than than you know. Atlantic Division teams like NC State would be because Carolina plays us every year. Um, But, you know, Notre Dame in week three also still – excuse me, West Virginia in week three applies to a certain extent uh, as as an early season game like that. Um, So, yeah, uh, both of those games are winnable. 
They're also both losable. Right. So, uh, you know, Tech fans could be very happy or they could be very upset right. after three weeks into the season. Will, I, you know, I don't want to turn this into talking too much about Justin Fuente, but given everything that's happened in the offseason, it feels like the first month of the season is going to be very important for him and with North Carolina at West Virginia and Notre Dame coming by October 9th. Yes. So it is. I mean, if if that stretch winds up two and three or – And you got Pitt in there too in the first half of the season. Right? After, after Notre yeah. Dame. So you, got, you, you, so you got UNC at West Virginia and Notre Dame in the first five games. Then you've got Pitt after that. And this is assuming you beat Richmond and Middle Tennessee State, which I, – I haven't I, had a chance to research Middle Tennessee State yet. Right, right. I don't – I don't – you know, it's 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 remarkable the way confidence has eroded, um, and and I'm speaking for myself here that I'm actually looking at the schedule thinking I need to research Middle Tennessee and see if they've got <laughs> see if they before be I go shooting my mouth off, right? You know, and, and and even Richmond, I'm looking at Richmond going, I don't know anything about Richmond these days. That's where we are, you know, and and you, you, going into last year's schedule, would you have thought they would lose to both Wake and Liberty? Of course not, you know. But a year later, I don't see a gimme on the whole schedule. I, I'm, not, I'm not taking any of that for granted this year. No, yeah, absolutely not. You know, and, and, and so if you think about that mindset about what I just said, starting out two and three or, or maybe you pay, play pit and you're even two and four, I mean, it, it already got nasty at the end of last year, you know, and, and it'll, it'll, it'll just get nasty. Uh, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what to say, Evan. Oh, you know? yeah. Um, it's imperative that they get off to a good start because if they don't, then by midseason, the fan base is going to be at each other's throats again. Yeah. Uh, attendance will drop as if it hasn't dropped already. We will get subscriptions canceled and get criticized uh, for criticizing the team. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, it would just be a whole second half of the season of toxicity Yeah. Uh, again. Right. So, yeah. It's very, very important that they get off to a good start, you know, not only for his job security, but just for the mental state uh, of the fan base, I believe. Um, <laughs> and and of, of two guys who work on a, please. On, on a, on a web business yeah. that covers. Please, I, like, I, I don't know how many times I can write the same article over and over again, so please do something well, different. I was, I was worn out. <laughs> you know, we, we talked about this at the end of last year, the the, the fire hose of negativity that, that, that we had to sift through constantly at the end of last year it wore me out so you know there were a couple of weeks where i just debated not not even writing a sunday column like, like you know the saying if you have nothing good to say don't say anything right, at all right. well i didn't have anything new to say or good to say to be honest with you so I, I was like should i even write and i did because people expect it but like in hindsight i wish i had not i <laughs> Cause, mean because it just kind of fed it yeah 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 um so for me uh I've talked about how, you know, tech sideline is going to change this year and how things are going to be different. And, and one of the ways in which it's going to have to change is uh, Chris and I need a little protection and a little body armor. Um, so Saturday I worked nine hours and in air quotes, I say work. I watched uh, wrestling beat UNC. I watched basketball beat UVA. I hung out on the message boards. I hung out on Twitter. So from three o'clock in the afternoon to midnight, this is what I was doing. But it wasn't a drain because it was all kinds of winning it. and it was all fun. Yeah, yeah. Didn't didn't feel like work. Right. Well, if the wrestling team had lost to UNC, 
and the basketball team had lost by 25 to UVA, <laughs> you, you cannot, particularly at my age, 56, you can't subject yourself to that without, you know, putting some protective measures in place. So one of the things I want to do this year is distribute some of the work so we can take a break from what could be, you know, an, another trip down the path of, of, of negativity. What's been the theme of today's podcast, Chris? Positive. Positivity. So let's move on. Let's transition <laughs> and talk more, uh, bring more positivity back. So here. by the way, uh, uh, um, shout out to Clark Rulin for the stat that uh, this is the first time Tech has played six out of seven home games to start the year since 1984. Mm. Yeah, that's the the strange part of the schedule is is how – unequal it is like six of the first seven games at home and then four of the last five on the road now i will say this uh you have those pulled up so you're not going to forget it okay uh i will say this like i love tailgating right i haven't got to tailgate since 2019 and even at the end of the 2019 like uva game was on the road so i didn't go the pit game was just pouring down rain horrible horrible weather so it wasn't a good tailgate like the last good tailgate i remember having was in south bend indiana for goodness sake you know, that's been a long time. So I'm ready to do some tailgating, and six of those first seven home games are going to be in times of the year where the weather theoretically should be good in Blacksburg. Yeah, so ever since my, my little Miata got destroyed in the, in the fall of 2019, I haven't gotten any sun. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so I hope to get some sun this fall. So uh, – uh, yeah, I put this out on Twitter shortly after the schedule came out. I said, you know, talking about the imbalance of, of home and away, I, I present to you the, the 1991 schedule. So let's take a little trip down memory lane. JMU at home, at North Carolina State, at South Carolina, at Oklahoma, at West Virginia, Florida State in Orlando. Hmm. Which was supposed to be a home game. Which was supposed to be a home game. But we sold it because we didn't have any money. Yeah. And... Um, and I did so. So let's pause right there and talk about that. Um, you know, the Virginia Tech Athletic Department was trying to recover at that point in time from uh, from uh, uh, the financial ruin of the Bill Dooley era. Dooley was the athletic director from '77 through the time that he was let go in after the '86 season. And for those that don't go back this far, Virginia Tech was not in a conference for football. They were an independent. There was like no conference TV deals or anything like that. This was not the Virginia Tech you know now. Yeah, and 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 Dooley had the gall to take out four million dollars in debt to build facilities, which sounds like nothing today, <laughs> but but it was a lot back then. So Dave Brain was trying to recover from that, and and of course you know how Frank's first few years went; they didn't go well. So money wasn't coming in. So he was offered to, if I remember the numbers correctly, haven't had a chance to look them up. He was offered to move the Florida State home game to the Citrus Bowl in Orlando, eight hundred fifty thousand dollars guaranteed, a million if it sold out. Now it did not sell out. I think only fifty-two or fifty-eight thousand fans attended. I did look that up the other day. So Tech got eight hundred fifty thousand dollars out of that. Now they get way more than that for a home game these days, but back then they didn't. Tick tick tickets were like ten to twelve bucks a game yeah. back then, and you'd have had maybe. For Florida State, 40,000, 45,000 fans, yeah. you know, so interesting stuff. Uh, so they wound up with that JMU game at home and then five straight on the road, and they were they were all good teams. South Carolina went nine and three. Excuse me, North Carolina State went nine and three. South Carolina went three, six, and two, but they beat Tech. 
Oklahoma went nine and three. WVU was WVU. Florida State was eleven and two. And Tech almost won some of those games, right? Yeah, they were very competitive. They were in pretty much all of them. Yeah, yeah they were competitive in in all of them. You know, I won't bore you with the scores, but they were all one score games, more or less. Um, then they came home for Cincinnati, Louisville, Akron, ECU, and on the road against Virginia. Hmm. So that's one at home, five away, four at home, and one away. So very reminiscent of what what's going to go on this year, except opposite. Yes. Before we know it, football season will be here just around the corner. And, again, we've got an article about the schedule being released on TechSideline.com right now. All right, two sports down, two left to go. And then, of course, the best part of the podcast, when you get to chime in and we get to uh, get to talk about your questions that you have for Will and Chris. If you're on YouTube Live right now, go ahead and drop it in the chat. And for the 109 that are watching now, please be sure to hit the like and subscribe button if you are watching right now. 21 likes right now. Please hit the like button and, and drive it up for us, please, as we continue to bring positivity. Let's transitioning. Let's transition to uh, wrestling. Eighth-ranked Hokies. Uh, big weekend because you've got two ACC duels in 24 hours, both on the road. Will, 42-3 win over Duke. A lot of the backups got to start in that right, win right. and succeeded. And then the headline, though, a win over North Carolina, the first win for Hokies wrestling in two years against the Tar Heels. And they did it in kind of dominating fashion. Yeah, they did. Uh, so so let's discuss Duke very quickly. Duke is really, 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 really bad in wrestling. 42-3. Uh, Tech beat him 42-3. Like I got that last field goal against Tech's backups. Ugh. Well, the the 174-pound weight class for Tech is is its weakest weight class and and. They did not even uh, wrestle their frontline wrestler. They wrestled their number two guy, and, and that was the weight class that lost to Duke. Other than that, they dominated them. Um, so then the next day, you know, number eight Virginia Tech takes on number fourteen UNC, and it was projected to be pretty a pretty close Tech win. Uh, so Tech had wrestled Duke the night before, but had wrestled only five of their ten right. top line guys. Um, UNC had wrestled NC State the night before, and NC State's number three in the country, and NC State beat uh, UNC 28-10. to 10. And UNC, nine of those guys that wrestled against NC State wrestled against Virginia Tech. The only difference was in, I think, the 125 or 133-pound weight class. So for the most part, you had guys wrestling for UNC who had – wrestled the night before and that that's that's not a big deal you know guys we, you know, guys we, we talked about this on the last podcast guys will will wrestle multiple times in one day but uh it's not optimal for unc you know that they had to really put themselves out there the night before. ideally you'd wrestle unc first and then duke the next day yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um so for virginia tech uh everything went the way they wanted it to and to me, the, the the thing you got to talk about is 174 pound weight class Dakota Howard, who was winless on the year, and and I just said you know that that's the weak spot of Tech's lineup, and and he goes out there against the number nine wrestler in the country, I believe. What was his name? Devin Kane. Devin Kane, and uh, so you know it's to the point where a, a buddy of mine, we we text back and forth during the wrestling matches. He during the meets, he texts me and says, "This is going to get ugly." And, you know, uh, Dakota was hanging in there at the end of the first period. And uh, I, don't, I don't remember the exact breakdown of score by period. At one point, I think he was down 5-1. to one. Got a takedown. Got a takedown. Got another takedown. And, he, and the next thing you know, he's, he's, he's up 6-5. He gives up an escape to make it 6-6. Six, six. 
Now, the other wrestler had riding time, which means he's going to get a point at the end. So Dakota's really down seven to six at that point. And he's been really competitive. This is great. He's not getting major decisioned, you know, was the big thing. Right. Avoid the major decision. And he had got a guy who's actually in position to win. And uh, with 35 seconds left to go, he gets the takedown to put himself up two. Holds on. The other, uh, Kane gets the riding time, and, and Howard wins eight to seven. So winless, and he beats the number nine wrestler in the country. And Dakota Howard has a reputation for being, he's got a motor is his thing. He's not a technically sound or, or proficient wrestler, but but you're going to know you've been wrestling when it's over. Yeah. And that's what happened to Kane was that I, I think Howard just wore him out. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was the absolute And that was a away. lot of fun. That was the fun part of beating. Beating UNC is always fun, but if you want to look for, to me, that's the story. Is is that is Dakota Howard beating uh, Devin Kane? I, I think that's the headline. I think a couple other things is just how good Corbin Myers has been. Yes. I mean, eighth ranked Corbin Myers, a major decision over eleventh ranked Jamie Hernandez, eleven two. Let's keep in mind that he major decision twelfth ranked Louis Hayes last week, uh, Virginia, who was undefeated. And I, I'm surprised there hasn't been much movement at thirty three. I think Corbin Myers has shown that he's. I think a top five wrestler in the country at he, 133. He's ranked eighth in the country, and he's wrestling like a top four or top five guy. I mean, he's wrestling extremely well. And then I think the other one was this. So Makai Lewis, for for Chris, there's actually a question for you here, Chris, about your interest level in wrestling. It's gone up a little bit. But, A, Chris is interested because beats UNC, so that's a thumbs up there for Chris Coleman. Um, but get this about Makai Lewis, Chris, at 165. He had not been taken down in, like, over 20-some matches like had not been physically taken down. David McFadden tweeted out afterwards that Makai had not suffered a takedown since his first collegiate match against what? Missouri. So that would have been 29 consecutive without getting the fall taken down. of 2018. Yep. And so he, uh, and you remember last year against North Carolina, David McFadden got tech fault by this guy, Kennedy Monday. It was ranked eighth in the country. Makai got taken down against Monday, but was able to win four, three. And that was a, that was a big win. I, I think we talk about Virginia tech football rivalry against North Carolina. There, there's well, a rivalry there with Kennedy Monday. And every, Virginia tech. every now and then, you know, if you don't get taken down for 29 straight matches, that's insane. you start to dominate and you might even get a little bit bored, lose your concentration. Get a little, yeah, lose your concentration. Like sometimes you need to get punched in the mouth to to like uh readjust yourself to to refocus back in and everything. So that might have been the best thing to happen to Makai as we go down the stretch. Yeah, and and you know, he was I think he was up 3 nothing after after one period yep. and and uh Kennedy gets the takedown in the th- uh he gets an escape in the second probably make it 3 to 1, then gets the takedown in the third. And that ties it at three. And so um, Makai gets the escape with like, I don't remember exactly how, how much time was left, like 15 seconds left. He escaped to get the point that that, that right. let him win four to three. Makai is very difficult to get riding time on. Um, number one, well, we guess nobody ever takes him uh, down. Right. No. You know? <laughs> but, the, but he does start on the bottom in some periods, and it does it never takes him very long yeah. at all. Yep. To get the gets back to his feet very quickly. So um, even when it was three three, I was a little like, oh, I hope this thing doesn't go to overtime, you know. But uh, you know, the fact that he was underneath and could get the escape got the win for him. And now this Friday, folks, number eight Virginia Tech, number four North Carolina State in Castle Coliseum, eight o'clock on the ACC Network. Uh, this is 
this is it. I mean, yeah. so many years the regular season title has come down to Virginia Tech and North Carolina State. Now, Hokies do have Pittsburgh next week, and Pittsburgh's a tough one, but this is for uh, th- this is huge. This, this is for the night. for the dual championship, yeah. Yep, because uh, UVA beat Pittsburgh uh, this week. Yep. So and and so you know, NC State is is really really good, ranked third or fourth, you know, depending upon where where you're getting your rankings from. What's Tech ranked now? Uh, They're number eight still. They've been eighth like week after week after week. But if you go look at the Russell stat projection, the matchups, this one's going to be close. Yeah. So it'll come down to avoiding major decisions, avoiding upsets, getting a major decision, and maybe getting an upset. Bonus points, bonus points, and bonus points. Here's a question, Jersey Hokie 29. We're not at the questions part yet, but I'll bring it up now. For Will and Chris, is watching Hokies wrestling becoming easier to understand Follow along and invest in, or are there still barriers for new to the uh, new to the sport fans? If there are barriers, what can the team or the program do to reduce or remove them? Well, I have some thoughts on that, but I'd be interested in in knowing what Chris thinks I agree. As, as a guy who doesn't watch wrestling. I, I it's I don't dislike wrestling or anything like that. I'll be completely honest with you, like. Part of your job all day is not Virginia Tech related. You run the business. You aren't thinking about Virginia Tech all day. Doing financial so stuff. When I, when, I, when I get home on a Friday night, I've been Virginia Tech all day, and I want to do something else that all night. Week. Right? You, yeah. you know, all week. Right? So when I get home, I don't think to turn on and watch wrestling because I'm busy. I've I've turned Virginia Tech off at the end of the week. When, yeah. You know. Uh, so that that's me from a personal standpoint. So I actually, actually I don't know. I don't know. Like not as so a regular fan. It's interesting. So so let's let's address that. They're wrestling on Friday nights. Um, years ago, when there were only three networks, Friday night was where they sent television shows to die mm-hmm. because people don't watch didn't watch TV on Friday night. I watched TGIF on Friday night when I was a kid. Well, they, so they they you know people went out and did different stuff and and I remember the 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 lore of Star Trek the original series was that. Um, its ratings were so-so. You know that, that show lasted three years. Its ratings were so-so after two seasons. They had a really loyal audience, and uh, I believe it was on NBC at the time. NBC moved it to ten o'clock Friday night to try to kill it. They cut its budget and sent wow. it to ten o'clock Friday night, and of course they did kill it. And it's interesting if you go and watch the Star Trek episodes of that final season three, you can see there's no budget. The large majority of the stories take place on the actual Enterprise set, which was already built. Right. So they didn't have to build any new planet sets or ship sets or whatever. And I think there was even a thing where they used to have uh, Chekhov and Sulu on the same episodes. And in the third season, they didn't. So they didn't have to pay both of them. That kind of stuff. So not to go down a tangent, you know, but uh, it used to be back in the day that you sent things, uh, you sent television shows to Friday night to die. So there's something to that if you know that you're going to be watching men's basketball on Saturday and women's basketball on Sunday and and you've been working all week and you you just it's just not something you're going to you're going to watch. Um I don't know how you solve that cuz the ACC makes the schedules. Sure. Um, well, that's their big promotion Friday night duels is the yeah. is the big uh the, the how they're kind of marketing ACC. Right. Wrestling, I got so. well, I guess there's a reason why like 
no major conference plays basketball games on Friday nights. Right. Right. It's just not the night you put events if you want people to watch something. Yeah. So, so, so there's that. But at it, the same time, you don't want to put wrestling head to head with basketball on a Saturday or Sunday if you want people sure. to watch it. So what either. are you going to do? Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and, and it's, it's great for, hmm, all right, well, I just had a thought. What are you going to do? Listen, I, I, got, I watch the ACC network. And even in the middle of men's and women's basketball seasons, there are nights where it's utter crap. They're rerunning all ACC all night long, and then they're rerunning the class that saved Coach K or unbelievable or, UVA wins a national championship. Virginia Tech's playing on RSN at noon against Syracuse, and then there's absolutely nothing on the ACC network. So yeah. there is availability on the <laughs> ACC network, which is where these things are always. So what do, we, what do you say? We take Friday night duels and turn it into Tuesday night duels or whatever you want to make it. And then try to market it to non wrestling fans. Mm. I don't. The ACC doesn't play on really on Thursdays either, do they? Uh, yeah, so I'm, 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 I think you're probably right. Yeah. Um, so, so the, I think the one thing they can do to make it more accessible is, and I know you don't do this in football, you don't do this in basketball or baseball, but when you start the broadcast, start with the rules. Real quick, ten weight classes. A victory in a weight class is worth three team points. If you get a major decision, which is a win by eight points or, or, or more, you know, eight points to 14, eight to 14, you get four points instead of just three. If you get what's called a tech fall, 15 points or more, without actually pinning the guy, you get five points. If you pin the guy, you get six points. That's how it works. Let's go. Yeah. And, and, you know, takedowns are worth two, escapes are worth one. Just kind of. Do more explaining of the rules. Start with the rules so somebody who tunes in is like, oh, okay, I get that. I understand that. Let's watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and make it a drinking game. Have a beer after make every round. <laughs> Great question from Jersey Hogi 29 and uh, we'll, we'll be tuned in this weekend for sure. I know we'll be uh, – it, it's, it's going to be a big one against North Carolina State on Friday. Boy, uh, if, you, but, if you drink every time Virginia Tech scored a point against Duke. Yeah, I I, I really <laughs> I really true. wish that there were fans in in the in the stands in Castle. There'd be this. over three thousand fans. Two years ago, the crowd was really good, and, yeah. and if I remember correctly, NC State won. Unfortunately, yep, it came. To, it was very close, very competitive. Um, all right, let's transition. One more sport to talk about, and I'm excited to talk about this team because, gosh, they have been just so close to breaking through, yeah. and that is Virginia Tech's women's basketball. I was watching the ACC Network after their win last night against North Carolina, and Muffet McGraw, who's now an analyst, the legendary uh, former Notre Dame women's basketball coach, said that Virginia Tech has the fourth best talent in the ACC this year, but they're four and seven in the league. They've had so many close losses, and on Thursday against second-ranked North Carolina State, Chris. Virginia Tech scored 26 Ugh. points in overtime. That's the most ever in over, overtime period in men's or women's basketball ever. History. Right? And Asia Shepard scored 18 points <laughs> in, overtime. in overtime. So I, This is a five-minute overtime in women's right. basketball, right? Okay. I mean, just, um, <laughs> you know, I, I, it has not been, I know, the start they wanted in, in league play with the talents there, and it just, that was, just felt like everything yeah. finally came together. Well, you know, hopefully that's a confidence builder. And so their, their issue, of course, has always been – it was the direct opposite. of They were losing that game and then they came back and won. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? Normally it's the other way around. Normally they're winning and they lose it in the last so, two so minutes. So if you didn't watch it, let, let's fill in the blanks. Yep. They were losing 54-50. to 50. They scored seven straight points to go up 57-54. NC State has the last shot. 
and they proceed to embark on a complete cluster of a possession that winds up with one of their players out like three feet behind the three-point line. And she, she, she chucks it. It was a good smooth shot, and in that moment she was open, but that was not the play that was called. They'd fumble it all over the place. Swish to tie the ball game as the buzzer goes off. Very reminiscent of the men's game against Villanova. Mm. where they had yeah. him down late and then just coughed it up and went to overtime. So your fear is like, is the mental collapse coming? And just like the men's game, quite the opposite happened. Tech ran away from them. You know, sometimes, you know, those results, that they can snowball. You know, if you lose one or two games that you were winning, if, if you lose them in the final couple of minutes, the next game you get to two minutes left in the game and you're like, and it just pops in your head. It's like, man, we haven't been able to get this done the last two games and so you maybe you're a very confident player for the first 38 minutes of the game and then but you get into the last two because the past experiences you're not so hopefully the fact that this one went the way it did which mm-hmm. is the opposite of what they had been going so the next time they're in a close game which it seems like is just about all of their games are coming down to the wire almost uh and the, and the north carolina game sunday was close late and tech closed them out right so hopefully hopefully that's a confidence builder so the next time they're in that situation they can draw from that experience and say we can get this done in the last two minutes we've 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 crossed the rubicon and we're not going back did you all see the uh three from asia shepherd that she buried and just the raw emotion after she made that shot i mean she is she was kenny brooks's first recruit here at virginia tech uh, wow, she really? is. Okay. Yep, and and that? she is just a, she's a rock star of a person, and that was just a really. She's been through a lot since she's been here. Think about the ups and downs, and and the well, I know she wants and, she wants to go to the NCAA tournament because she was going to go last year, and then yeah. COVID yep. stole it. So now, now interesting. Tech is uh, what's the overall record? I know they're four. I and believe s- they're eight and seven, and they're and four, four and seven, seven in the ACC. And they, I'll go ahead, and I'm not here one to make bold takes, and you guys are the analysts here, but I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. I think Tech's going to find a way to make a tournament this year. Well, they're, they've they're, got winnable games down the stretch. I think they're going to find a way to get it. Well, done. they're certainly a talented enough team, and and their their net ranking is actually pretty decent, mm-hmm. even though their overall record, conference record, is not. And watching the North Carolina game yesterday during the game, Carolina was one of the last four in, and Tech was one of the first four out. Correct, because and the announcers said, depending upon how this game goes, that might flip. You uh, and they've already come out and said you don't have to have a winning record in conference to make the NCAA tournament, right? So, yeah. but I think that they'll find a way to have. A, I, I'm sorry, I think they're going to get on a little bit of a run here. I really do. Um, they're on the road a lot this month, but I mean, Kitley scored I think over 25 yesterday. I mean, if Shepard and Kitley, I mean, the, the, the talent is. And I agree with Mom McGraw. I do think they're the fourth best talent. I, I think that's completely reasonable based on what I've seen. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, that kind of recaps it all, folks. Through an hour and a half of just the. Again, think back to those that listened to the podcast last week. It just, you know, the news that we had to discuss. And then this week, texting in our group chat over the weekend, it's like, wow, this is going to be a very fun podcast. And it certainly has been. So we're towards the end. Let's go ahead and get to some questions that have been submitted uh, before the show. And let's go ahead and start with uh, on the subscriber board. This comes from Maroon Effect. Um, Chris, let me ask you this first, and we'll get Will thoughts. What are the odds some blue blood program poaches away Coach Mike Young? He's basically a local, I know, but money talks, and VT seems short on that at the moment. Uh, I, I think the chances of that are, I'm not going to say 0%, but they're about 1%. Um, somebody told us that like Mike Young's wife makes more money than him. I don't know if that's true anymore. <laughs> he well, makes a couple of million a year. Well, I heard that. Well, I don't know, but I heard she was like chief financial officer of a big Charlotte bank or something like huh. that. 
So, like, I, I don't think I don't think money's a big big thing for him. Uh, I think he's he's where he wants to be. He's got family in this area, so never say never. But I, 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 I there, there's there's very few things that would. Once you've been covering or paying close attention to college sports for a long enough time, you don't see very many things that that actually floor you or surprise you. I'd be floored if he ever left Virginia Tech. Yeah, I, I think it'd be pretty shocking because, uh, you know, all the obvious reasons he's here where he grew up, uh, family, et cetera, et cetera. But he's also uh, – well, he graduated high school two years earlier than I did, and I'm 56. I don't know if Mike's 57 or 58. But, uh, you, you know, Frank reached a point where you're like, okay, he's never he's leaving. Not he's never yeah. leaving. Yeah. And, and, and part of it was where Virginia Tech was as a football program, but part of it was just his age, you know. And, and I, I don't think, even if he does a great job here, I'm just not sure that Blue Bloods are going to come knocking for, for a 58-year-old coach. Um, you know? If he was 48, that'd be one thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I don't think that's going to He's mentioned so many times before, too. He could have finished his career at Wofford. He loved it there. You know, it was only going to take, I think, like Virginia Tech, that was the one job that really intrigued him it, that was it, coming it, home. As we said off the air, if he'd stayed at Wofford, he'd have Kevin Aluma and Hunter Couture playing for him at Wofford. <laughs> uh, here's a question from Mike Woodhead. Why do you think the Hokies men's basketball team has been winning in the ACC, and, and, and is it sustainable? The team doesn't have the pure athleticism that other teams have, and many teams have legendary coaches. So what has been the key to the Hokies' success? You know, I, I think, the first of all, and this is not in no particular order, but the legendary coaches he mentioned, they're all – they got one foot in retirement, man. Those yeah. dudes are, are – I mean, those guys are all in their – what mid seventies? Yeah. I mean, I just I don't think those guys are as good as they used to be, and and that helps. Um, but I, the main thing is, I think, and this is a lesson that I believe can be applied to football, uh, is buy-in. Like Justin Mutz started his career at High Point and then went to De- Delaware. Hunter Couture was supposed to play at Wofford. Kevin Aluma did play at Wofford. Um, there are just very very. I mean, the most talented player on the roster since Mike Young has been here was Landers Nolly. But Landers Nolly wasn't interested in, in doing what was best for the team. He was interested in doing what was best for Landers Nolly. Right. Landers Nolly's left, and we are a better team. We're a better team because we got bigger. But, like, quite honestly, like, if Landers Nolly wanted to come back tomorrow, I'd be like, no. No, I'm very happy with what we have with mm-hmm. guys who are unselfish, no, guys no, no, no. Hard who, pass. who have bought in. <laughs> uh I think player development is is good, um, I, and I know it's easier to 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 build camaraderie of thirteen people than it is eighty five. Yeah, that that goes without saying. Um, I mean, I just think if you look across college basketball, um, if if you build a team of you know, they don't all have to be four-year players, but you can't have a bunch of one-and-dones. I mean, if you just look at UVA and Villanova, they've won the national championship recently. Uh, Gonzaga might win it this year. We've seen Auburn and Texas Tech in the Final Four. We've seen West Virginia in the Final Four. We've seen Butler in the national championship game. Twice. Come close to winning it. Right. VCU in the Final Four. College basketball is just so much different than college football. Better, in my opinion better because regular people actually have a chance to compete at the highest levels and uh 
So I just think that's the key to winning basketball. I think I've always thought Virginia Tech, the key to long-term success was was running uh, a system-based uh, program for, for basketball and recruiting to that system. Um, it's like you've always said, Virginia got better in basketball when they quit trying to compete with Carolina and Duke on, on, on the recruiting trail. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to sign – like certain, like you're just not going to go head to head with Duke for a recruit, right? But if you go get run a system and you find guys who are good fits for your system, and then they play in college for four years, then your seniors are going to beat yeah. all those freshmen, yeah. you know. And I just think that's the key to success for for Virginia Tech. Um, in football, it's a little different because you're just your football is such a physical sport that. You can run whatever system you want. If the guy across him is bigger, faster, and stronger, he's going to push you around. That's just the way it is. Um, But at the same time, if you have the proper player development system set up behind the scenes and you have buy-in from your 85 scholarship players, you can still be very successful. Not national championship successful. Um, but, you know, you can win a national championship. I mean, I've said before Virginia Tech can win a national championship in basketball. I think they could have won it a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And Hunter Couture brought it up after the game the other night. He straight up said our goal is to win the national championship. And that's probably not a realistic goal for this year. I don't think it's an unrealistic one for the next couple of years. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Um, so... I I, th- I just think tech fans they need to. We're really bringing I, positivity I, I, today. I, I know. I, look, I know this is. I know we're football centric by nature, the fan base. But I think so, you need to you need to forget about that part of it. And so and let me yeah, think let, about let, basketball for a while. And, and let me let me jump in there. I, I wish tech fans were, as a group, more interested and more supportive of Virginia Tech basketball. Uh, you know, they have no problem putting seven, eight, nine thousand people in Castle and, and raising hell, and it's a lot of fun, and, and there is a good-sized, strong fan base there. But uh, one of the things that – so so uh, TechSideline.com and the Sabre.com, a UVA website, are both owned by Sportsport, our parent company. They're hosted on the same platform on the same message board system. And one of the things I can do is go into the admin area of the message board system – and it shows us a statistic of how many posts have been placed on the message boards on the two sites in the last two hours. The duration of a men's basketball game, two hours. Saturday's game, at the end of the game, the two-hour stretch that covered the game, there had been 2,400 posts on the Sabre.com and 600 on Tech Sideline. You know, when I ran a poll on our subscriber board about who has the ACC network a few weeks ago, there were some people in that thread who said, well, I had it during the season, but then I canceled after football season because I'm not interested in basketball. Let me ask you guys this question. Will Virginia Tech always be a football school to our fan base, no matter what other sports do? Will it always be football, football, football? We we would have to be really bad at football and really good at basketball for an extended period of time. Yes, because so what happened, you know, Virginia Tech was, was for those of us that went to Tech in the 80s, they will tell you Virginia Tech was a basketball school back then. Del Curry and, and all those guys. And the football team was solid and we paid attention to it, but, you know, the hysteria was there over basketball, and not then, football. Right, and then uh, and then there was a probation for both sports. But, uh, 
you know, basketball lost a really, really good coach, and then they started wandering the the conference wilderness, wandering the wasteland. Right, right. You know, and, and uh, that killed the basketball program. While meanwhile, Frank Beamer raised the stature of of, of the football program. In you know, helped out by the Big East, and, right? And that changed Virginia Tech from a basketball school into a football school, and a similar thing would have to happen to change Virginia Tech from a football school into a basketball school. Right. Now, unfortunately, no matter how much of a basketball school you are, you're not going to make as much money as if you have a good football program yeah. that the fans are really supporting. All right, final question. We had a lot of these questions, and I thought Dwight Vick had a great tweet, and I'm going to paraphrase here. Uh, I don't have it up in front of me, but basically Dwight was saying um, after the win for Virginia Tech over Virginia men's basketball that you can essentially celebrate this game without taking shots at the football program. Is that basically fair to say? What yeah, he said? yeah, absolutely. And like, we've gotten a lot of questions on the boards. Uh, you know, what can football take from men's basketball? I'm going to ask this question and kind of let you guys go whatever direction you want to go. This is from uh, Wadi on the boards. He says, what lessons can some of our other sports teach? Football, either positive or negative, particularly men's basketball and wrestling. The TSL reaction to the popcorn bucket fundraiser shows that fans are paying attention and want to help, especially when something good happens. Can football figure out how to show and capitalize on the good things that happen during the non-playing season? I think for this particular football staff, this, and I, I don't just mean Justin Fuente, I, I mean... I mean, everybody involved with football, whether it's it's marketing or or communications or, or even wit, I think as that group collective, I think it's really, really too – unless you win a ton of games, I think it's too late to recapture the fan base because they're going to make an effort this offseason. Like you've seen some little snippets on Twitter where – Fuente is doing interviews with John Laser, and it seems like pretty good stuff, but it, it's too late because now fans, they're just going to be like, you're only doing this because you just lost six games and everybody got ticked off at you. And it, and it took you five years to realize that you should have been doing this in the first place, so we're not interested now. So I honestly think it's too late for this group. Um, it would have to be, like I said, they could do it, if they won a lot of games, started winning a lot of games overnight. And that would be a great story, and I hope it happens. But I don't think that's realistic. Um, I just I don't think that's a realistic outcome. Um, so so, the, so, <laughs> uh, so what do you do the next time around is really what we're doing. Yes, that, that's, that's what know, we're doing. And, yeah. and it's interesting. Uh, um, there, there were things I, that I wanted Frank to do that, that he never did and certain ways I wanted him to behave, you know. And and Fuente brought some of those things to bear. But but then he turns out to be lacking in in areas that Frank was very strong in. This is this is what happens when you go out and hire a new coach. You're like what, what was I, want, I, what, I want what I don't have right, right. now. Right. What was our old coach not good at? Oh, so like Frank was never really good at offensive X's and O's. Fuente is let's hire him, right? So, and yes, Fuente's better at offensive X's and O's than Frank Beamer. Uh, but he's not good at the other things. So now, like, and I hope this doesn't happen. And I hope he's our coach for a long, long time. But whenever Virginia Tech is in the market for, next, for their next football coach, it's going to be like, what did Justin Fuente not do well? Oh, communications, emotions with a fan base. Well, let's go hire somebody who's going to be great at that. 
And of and, course, the name we're all thinking of is Chuck Amato. Right, right. Chuck with the red shirts and the big chest and the raspy yeah. voice and the red or, shoes. Or, 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 just somebody who can communicate with the fans, yeah. right? Get the fans uh, fired up. Uh, well, Shane could have communicated with the fans well, obviously. But the, the problem is there's no shred of evidence that Shane is anywhere close to being as good of an X as an O's offensive coach as Fuente. So I think we would have dropped off in that, right? With the amount of money Virginia Tech is going to be able to spend on a coaching staff, whether that's for Fuente's staff or somebody else's staff in the future, you're not going to have a staff that checks every box. That's – I mean, there's just not that many – I mean – Dabo Swinney and Nick Saban uh, can check every box because Alabama and Clemson can afford to pay their coaches $10 million a year. If we could pay $10 million a year for a coach, we could probably get a coach who could check, check every box. That's, that's not going to happen. So I don't, I don't know where I was going. With so that, so let, let, let's get back to the question. Yeah. The question is, is there something – the question was essentially, what can the football program learn from other programs? Uh, you know, I, I, gosh – I don't know. You know, once it's uh, if you look at the basketball program, you look at the fun. You know, of course they're 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 winning, so it's more fun when you win. But there's they've just got this thing about them, the way the coach talks about them, and the way they talk about each other, and the way they play together. It's you know it when you see it, yeah. But you're not necessarily sure how to make it happen. Well, right, right. I I think I've always viewed the basketball program. They've got their own building over there, right? They're always a little bit separate. They've always done things a little bit differently. Uh, it, 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 seem, it seems like to me they, they've always been, you know, even with Buzz, Buzz was, was different and, and unique and things like that. But uh, all the other sports are over there in the same building. I've always felt like basketball, from an outreach standpoint, was a little bit different just because they're in their own little world over there in Han Hurst and everybody else is in uh, – is in Merriman and Jamerson. Jamerson. Yeah. There's also a, a different kind of element and feel too, right? I mean, Coach Young being from Southwest Virginia, right? Grew up going to Castle. The uh, the, the the social media that we talk about, the popcorn that he eats before the game. The, you know, he's out giving pizza to students lining up before. There's, well, is that fair? To, uh, just the, yeah, the, well, the feel. He's, is, yes. He's is, is I was either Norm Wood or Aaron McFarlane or somebody like that after the game the other day was talking about like Mike Young is is like Frank Beamer in sneakers for this that's, fan that's base. McFarlane. Yeah, that was McFarlane, yeah. yeah. And he's absolutely right. Uh and I'm glad we've got Mike Young so bad. I'm so, I'm so happy for the fan base among anything, but here's the thing. Like it's it's hard to emulate that over and over and over and over again. You all right, so you find me a football coach that from Southwest Virginia, who has the exact personality of Frank Beamer that can win 10 games a year every year. That guy does not exist. Right. For, right. All, for all we know, lightning is actually striking twice. Right. But except it's striking with basketball, right? Time will tell. Right, right. Um, so so let, let's talk about wrestling. Wrestling is, it's a, it's a really unique collegiate sport, not just the sport itself and what happens, but, but the structure that is built up around it. You can build your own little bubble in wrestling mm-hmm. where you're, you're through a regional training center. You are doing your own fundraising so you can hire coaches who will help out your athletes. That's, that's all Tony Roby and Jared Freyer and the other guys driven. They are all driving it, and they're almost decoupled and independent from the athletic department. Right, exactly. And, you know, I think, I think football's biggest problem is there's too many people in there that are the same is in like 
I think Fuente is the type who I know he's the type. I, I talked to one of his assistants one time. It was actually before the Liberty game, his very first game at Virginia Tech, that Liberty game. And she told me, she was like, you know, he's so caught up in football that you can walk by him in the hallway and he's just staring straight ahead. He doesn't even know that you're passing him. He's thinking so deeply about football. Well, what are we going to do on third down this week? And, and blah, 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 blah. Right? So he's so football-centric that he can't see anything else. Like, people talk about, oh, he needs to do more interviews. He needs to be more engaging with the fan base. Blah, blah, blah. Why, why doesn't he see that? Like, he's literally, the man literally has tunnel vision when it comes to football. So, no, he can't see that. That's okay. As long as there's somebody in an authority position around him that does see that and says, here's what you need to do, right? The problem is over there, it seems like ever, nobody else saw it. Like, I don't think the athletic director recognized it until recently. I think he does now if he watched his press conference. I, yes. don't, th- I don't think the de- director of strate- strategic communications ever realized it. So your three main guys, your three decision makers as far as that stu- type of stuff goes, they, they all they, they never saw it. Not all it took was one of them to see it, and, not, and none of them saw it. So, like, it's not one person's fault. Like, like Frank Beamer didn't see everything, right? For, like, like, Frank Beamer had a lot of really talented people around him. Um, you know, what John Belin did for Frank Beamer, uh, you could probably write a book about it, about of, of things John Belin did for the football program behind the scenes that you'd never – that you'd never know about, or Bruce Garns, yeah. you know, um, people like that. Uh, so I, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, hiring a, and having some like diversity in there as far as the type of people you have. As far as the football program, though, it's like, I, I think you've got, some guys, a lot of guys in there, a lot of your main decision makers, and they're all kind of like the same type. They, they, they see things the same way and they're focusing on the same thing. And sometimes you need, you, you need somebody like, well, I think we have a pretty good operation here. Like I write articles. Uh, I would never even think about a podcast cause I'm so, I have tunnel vision on my articles, right? This podcast would never would have started if I was in charge because I'd just be thinking about my next article. <laughs> well, credit right? for that goes to Ricky. LeBlue it goes to Rick for... LeBlue. And then, but you've taken it to a next level. Like <clears throat> I'm so focused on my articles that I would never think about some of the things you think about for, for the podcast, right. but you're so focused on the podcast and the business. You would never think about some of the things I think about when I write in my articles. Right. Yeah. So, you have to have a collection of people that are good at different things. And I think the thing about Virginia Tech's football program is they have a collection of people that are, that are all kind of good at the same thing. Yes. So Great question and, and a great discussion. Yeah, That's it's a whole point. separate podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, we are just about under two hours oh. into episode one. I asked Will and Chris before we got going today, can we run a little bit longer? Because I know we had – just so much to get there. I want to thank everybody who asked questions on the board and Twitter and YouTube um, for making this one of the more memorable podcasts we've had in, uh, in quite some time. Uh, Chris, you know what's coming. It's coming up on Tech Sideline this oh, week. Oh, man, we're going to have a Brandon Patterson article later today. I think I'll write my basketball article tomorrow before the Pitt game. Okay. That's uh, on Wednesday. Is Pitt Tuesday or Wednesday? Or, I don't know. I th- good question. Hang, it's on, t- hang on and I will let you know. <laughs> okay. Well, but there will be a basketball article at some point. 
Um, like I'll do a running backs PFF article at some point. I've already started that research. The the, pit, the pit game is Wednesday night, okay. and it's on RSN. Yeah. So so good luck. Typical week. Oh yeah, that's right. Well, I know where I can't go in Blacksburg on Wednesday. <laughs> Champs closed Champs on Wednesday. Closed, so yeah, I guess I'll get the Sharkies early. <laughs> um, all right, that's coming up on uh, TexHotline.com this week. Great content. Yes, Friday Q and A. Everything. Uh, it's a great time to come part of the TexHotline family. If you're still with us, click like and subscribe, please, on the YouTube channel. Yeah. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris Coleman TSL. Will Stewart's on Twitter at Will Stewart TSL. Uh, please be sure to follow our main page at TexHotline as well. Uh, we look forward to another great week in Virginia Tech athletics. Any closing thoughts, gentlemen? No, just that was a much more enjoyable weekend. <laughs> I'm hungry. I'm <laughs> Let's do it again next week. Is it time That'll for do it. Oh, it's Episode time. 165 of the Tech Sideline Podcast. Chris Coleman's going to get some food. That'll wrap it up for us. I'm Evan Hughes alongside of Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, the best producer in the line, Malcolm Stewart. Thanks so much for watching and listening to episode 165 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, brought to you by Anytime Fitness, the Southeast Regional Training Center, and Campus Emporium. Have a great week, Hokies. <laughs>